Hello and welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. I hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you as ever to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installation. Check out BO underscore Cheltenham on social media, the Bang Olufsen Cheltenham website, or go into their beautiful store in Montpellier in the courtyard here in Cheltenham in the west of England. Thank you also to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast. Food-based supplements is what they specialize in, so they're kind of digested as close to how food would be as possible. That's the idea. We've been taking them as a family for 20-plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper. If you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, at checkout, there's a 30% discount off your first purchase of the supplements. And if you go back and want more supplements in the future, there's a 10% discount ongoing with the code DRAPER10R at checkout. My last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. So thank you to Cytoplan for that. Thank you to the whole Mad Academy with Anthony Asprey for their ongoing association with the podcast. We are offering five sessions with Anthony for free, just to clarify things in your own mind. Good sounding board to chat to. By the end of the session, you'll be much clearer on how to tackle any issues or challenges that you're going through, especially if you ever feel stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life. Just a great opportunity. Five complimentary sessions each month giving away with the podcast act fast and schedule your session right now using the link in our show notes it's the one that mentions the whole man academy if in doubt right onto the podcast now great conversation around the principles of coaching perhaps the nuances required perhaps it's not about principles it's about adapting to each individual you're trying to coach teach enhance with a wonderful uh, director of coaching at sporting kansas the one and only gerard jones jones even <laughs> Gerard Jones, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad I checked about the pronunciation of your first name. Hopefully your French mother will be happy with that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, brilliant, I'm looking forward to it. Brilliant. Well, thank you for coming on to Sport and Life and I appreciate it as well because I know you're back from your job at Sporting Kansas and you've got a proper job now. You've got a two and a four-year-old there today. So that's a challenge in the, in the summer that we're all dealing with at certain times as, as parents. How's the, how's the break been back in the UK? How have you enjoyed the break from the States? Yeah, it's been great just to try and obviously be with family. I mean, I've been finding it difficult because I've been away for, for a period of time, similar to when I was in Morocco. Mm. Uh, Morocco was more challenging because I, I joined uh, Oshan Roberts, who's the technical director there. He's now obviously assistant at Crystal Palace. I joined him in February of 2020 and then literally COVID happened in March. So borders were closed and, you know, couldn't get back in. I was stuck wow. in the country. Um, so it's been tough. So I missed, obviously... Uh, Joshua's uh, birth I saw it on live on video type of thing it's not the same obviously so I wasn't no. able to get back for it and then I missed birthdays and very similar in America you know a few years later I've been over there and I missed uh, birthdays you know Joshua and William's birthday so it's been nice being back and spending some quality time with him and being around him and playing with him and rugby tackling and play fighting <laughs> and all that other stuff yeah, I bet. Well, how, how have you juggled that? Because obviously it's a burgeoning career in coaching, but how, how do you juggle the, the family side of it? Would you would you imagine taking them out to Kansas? How much have you enjoyed it? Would you take the family yeah. out there? I'd love, I'm a big believer in like engaging with them as much as you can in, around the football, but even like business. Mm. Bringing them in, having them involved in meetings. I'll often have loads of... Like yesterday, uh, it was a Zoom meeting with the vice president of the club. Um, and William was literally sat on my lap listening. <laughs> and having a little comment about it. So I think it's great just to immerse them in it and try and blend the two. Don't see it as separate. But, you know, I'm fortunate I do something that I love. Yeah. Um, in terms of a balance, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm more of a, a sort of work-life integration anyway type of guy. Mm. But then equally, if there is a balance, I'm probably very poor at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's evolving. Every day is different, isn't it? You have to balance. You go, you go in a different direction slightly every day. I think it's hard to establish it every day in, the, in, in a sort of symmetry. Well, I think if anyone who's obviously been around as me and you have, like within sport and football in particular, it's all consuming, you know, it's 24 mm. hours a day, seven days a week, and it, it shouldn't be, but it does take over your life and you end up doing more. And unfortunately, the ones who are, you know, supposed to have the most of your attention end up being the ones that sacrifice. And that's where I think it's it's difficult. And I try and reality check it as 
but I'm definitely not doing a good job at it, but I could be better. But there's times I'm on the phone or I'm on a Zoom call or an email. And I'm like, oh, give us one minute, one minute. And it's always, you know, one minute. Yeah. And um, I had a bit of a reality check the other day, actually, because I was talking to uh, William and Joshua. Joshua's two, William's four now. And uh, it was actually the two-year-old, but they both say it. And they went, um, they're doing like an impression of me. It must be something I say, and I don't, I don't realise I've said it, and it was quite bad. And I said, <laughs> oh, Joshua, why don't you come over here or do something? I can't remember what it was. And Joshua's like, no, 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 I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Uh, Oh, I was yeah. like, what are you busy doing? He goes, I'm busy reading this. And then William, the other day in the back garden, he's like, Daddy, I'm I'm busy. I'm I'm too busy. I'm, I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm doing my job. What's your job? He goes, I'm picking these. Um, we have like a, I think it's like a plum tree or something. Oh, nice. A tree in the back garden. So he's picking the fruit off the blooming tree. So um, <laughs> then it was that phrase of like, I'm busy. And I thought, yeah. where was that from? And they've obviously got from me, me saying, Oh, just give me one minute. I'm busy a second, but I'll I'll get to you, you know. You, you, uh, you got so, two boys, a two and a four year old. I've got a seven-year-old girl, and it's interesting because we're gonna probably have challenges, I suppose, around screen time and social media when she when she's older, but she's very vigilant now. Daddy, get off your phone, get off. And it's you have to, yeah, I suppose you're walking that balance because you have to walk the walk that you want them to do a little bit later as well. So there's, there's, they do keep you, they keep you honest, give you a bit of introspection, don't they? Which is interesting because they're very alert. Definitely, and they see everything, don't they? And it's hard because football, especially the you know the levels I'm working at, and, and even you know with my career aspirations, the higher I want to go, it's going to be tough because it's going to demand a lot. But hopefully, you know, one thing I want them to see is like you know both the parents are very very hard working. You know, Ellie's a midwife. Um, wow. I want them to see things like that. I want them to see like that hard work, a bit like yourself. And hopefully, they can go. Well, he's he's doing something, you know, and. Hopefully, um, they'll take some traits from that, you know, maybe. Yeah, well, I, I, but that's an interesting thing is we could talk about what you're doing at um, Kansas City in a second, but the hard work aspect to it, what's your take on on nature nurture? Do you have a, a, a strict view on that? And typically, when that conversation, we'll talk about physical gifts, won't we? Say, in the context of football, it would be stamina, speed, agility, hand eye coordination, hand foot coordination. But are there attributes, because you've written a lot about the psychology of coaching, if you, are there attributes, mental attributes that some of us have bestowed with that make us more coachable than others? What, what do you think about nature, nurture? Yeah, there's a lot there, isn't there? I mean, it's a huge, huge topic. I think, first of all, like, we are a nature of habit, and that's why it's so important. Any environment we create, we're training habits. Mm. So you've got to make sure you're training the right ones. Um, and I think your traits will always come through, and and your characteristic traits are, are obviously what shape your intentions and your behaviours. And that's why it's important that, in line with my sort of coaching philosophy, I'm big on uh, viewing the role of the coaches that have a, a learning designer, somebody that designs these experiences. Even if I was at the level of um, where Osh is now, and he's working in the Premier League, he's still designing experiences. He's creating these personalised uh, experiences and memorable moments. To, to guide how they become more effective and efficient at what they do, which will obviously improve performance. Um, nature, nurture, it's tough because if we're talking talent development, well, you know, you're playing bingo, you're playing lottery, aren't you? And, and some people are fortunate that, you know, is it talent identification or is it just lucky that, you know, you're playing this talent lottery of calendar lottery, you know, what year, mm. what, what calendar period you were born, whether you're first quartile, second quartile, yeah. whatever it may be. You know, because that has a factor in it. Um, so, so in the in the UK, that's September, isn't it? The school cutoff. So that's the age group usually is around September. Yeah. So if you're if what is it? If you're born September to December, you're more likely to be a professional footballer than than if you're born in the summer. Yeah, exactly. And you've got well, you've got different periods of the year, and you've got some people who are um, you know fourth quartile, and that'll be like your summer periods. You've you've got relative age effect. You've got things to consider in that respect. There's been a lot of papers on it. You've got your genetics will play a factor in it for sure. Mm. Um, and again, you know, you can't choose who your parents are. You can't choose where you're brought up in. You can't choose that. Um, so there's many other factors that play in, but I'm a big believer. So I think it's a mixture of everything. Um, I mean, genetics, look, if you're quick and you've got some good physiological or physical qualities, you know, that give you that unfair advantage, Um then obviously, you know, you play to your advantages, but then you've got to, you can't just rely on speed. You can't just rely on strength or 
or um, other things. You know, you've got to have skill, you've got to have surprise, you've got to have loads of different qualities um, because, you know, I know there's so many things where people talk about, you know, the heart, that phrase, you know, the harder you work, the luckier I get. But it's true that you it's a mindset or a mentality of, and we saw this with the women, you know, mm. in the Euros, what a great achievement, what a great inspiration for women's football. Um, it's all right, Josh. You um, <laughs> no worries, Josh. <laughs> um, around the world, that you know, that grit, that determination, that ability to be mentally resilient, um, mm. emotional. People talk about emotional control, but is it emotional management? You know, and you're thinking about confidence, and you know, football is all about confidence. You know, you've got to be able to have the confidence to execute something, the confidence that if your team is losing, how do you find that determination to go? go get the ball back and try and make something happen. If you keep giving the ball away or if you keep missing the target, do you have that confidence that, look, I'm going to go receive the ball. I want to get the ball. You know, I don't want to be like, hide. Can I go mm. get the ball? Can I make something happen? Can I get myself back in the game? Can I build credit? So these are all qualities that I think, you know, are, are, the, are, the, <laughs> are the psychological confidence thing that you've got to build all the time. Um, so it's a mixture of everything, but again, opportunity. You know, so if we're talking about nature nurture. Well, opportunity has a huge part to play in in every walk of life in success, doesn't it? You know, yeah. you were both given an opportunity in our jobs in our careers to to be where we are now. Mm. It's just no different for a player. You know, That's you it. just need a lucky break, don't you? Where someone believes in you, they give you some minutes, and hopefully you shine, and you shine enough to get more minutes, and then over time you can you can make it your own story. Yeah, talk about luck. Luck's an interesting one. I mean, I reflect on that England win over Germany in the Women's Euros in, in the final and the fact that Alexandra Pop, who was the best player in the tournament, pulls up in the warm-up with, with an injury and she looked unstoppable. <laughs> so the fact that she didn't play against England's defence was a big help. And I noted that Clara Ball also, their, their left sort of wing forward, didn't wasn't able to play because of COVID and she'd been named in the, the team of the tournament as well. So there's a couple of breaks that went England's way finally on the men's and women's side after the, the 56 years of hurt or whatever. It's interesting, you know, the, the, those little key key things that that go into it. And tell us what you're doing now then in, in Kansas. What's the it's director of coaching at, at Sporting Kansas, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm the director of coaching for Sporting Kansas City and, and I, I'm responsible for the club development, uh, coach development, coach education, mentoring of staff, as well as um, implementing a, a curriculum and developing players. Um, so it's a huge role. It's right across sort of four main pillars, if you like. So it's similar to being, in some respects, it's similar to being like an academy director back home. Um, and mm. in certain areas, in terms of like the strategic vision of the club and the operations, the business side of it, you know, the revenues and things like that, as well as staff operations, identifying and recruiting staff and how you do that, um, which is a big part of what I do. Um, I ended up recruiting 20 brand new coaches, uh, brought in a huge diversity, you know, more female coaches than, than usual. Um, there's eight female coaches in the role, six of them are head coaches, which is great. Um, coaching a lot of our teams, you know, we've got female coaches working with, uh, with the boys teams as well mm. as girls in the other side of the other programs within the club. Um, we've got Spanish speaking coaches, obviously I'm fluent in different languages and We've got different, you name it, everything different. So um, I'm a big believer in that. There's other parts of the role where it's similar to like a head of coaching back home mm. or a director of football in terms of, again, the overview or the mentoring of, of uh, coaching staff, coach education internally. Um, again, football philosophy, implementing the philosophy and the coaching philosophy. And it's huge. Um, it's a huge role. Uh, really, really excited. Those female coaches, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I know everyone's an individual, have different attributes, different characteristics, but do you find that, that generally the women's, it's a cliche, do they bring emotional intelligence? they bring a better understanding? I presume they're, they're less autocratic and didactic in their style usually than, than some of the men who used to yell at me on the, the sidelines when I was growing up playing football. Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. It's, a, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think everyone's got different qualities uh, and I, I just think it's it's more about, and as you know, you know, it's less about men or women or whatever. Mm. It's more what type of personal qualities do you bring to the role? And I think like, the coaches that we hired, we hired them for different reasons. Like some of them have got experience in teaching. Um, and there's no surprise that some good teachers or good CEOs are females. 
for different reasons. But equally, we've got some good male coaches. Um, so the females that we did hire, uh, some of them have got some teaching backgrounds in some real difficult schools, like certain areas in downtown Kansas City, uh, mm. working with some certain demographics that I thought, wow, those are great qualities to have, you know, in terms of behavior management um, and that type of thing. So loads of loads of reasons, really. And for me, I just wanted to create an opportunity because so often, like, there's a lot of coaches, male in particular, female or certain ethnicities mm. or whatever, that get overlooked, um, you know, and there's certain limitations put on them in terms of the jobs that they can, they can achieve or aspire to. Whereas I want to create more opportunities for them. And, and it's great for visibility. You know, no different to, you know, Ella Toon scoring the goal and that impact that that can have. Yeah. Having a coach that you can look up to and go, wow, you know, what a, a great role model. That could be, a, as we're talking about female coach in this instance, but it could be anybody that could be a role model for that kid. It could be one thing that they say that has a, a memorable impact, you know, on their life. And that's something that's really core to our philosophy at Sporting Kansas City is, it's something that aligns with me in every role that I'll go in, in any club I go in, is how can we create these personalised experiences? And they actually have that as a tagline within sporting, which is um, creating personalised experiences within our club. So that's huge. That is, yeah, that's fascinating actually to listen to. I know you just paused, paused there for a second, but it's the, the nuance of how you approach coaching and, and different individuals and whether you tailor your, your styles to it, because I wonder, I've, I know you've done some think pieces on, on LinkedIn about the philosophy, whether you have a philosophy of coaching or do you have to adapt to the situation? Do, you know, some people like the carrot, some people like the stick. Do, does, does the softly, softly approach work with everyone? I don't know. What, what's your thought on that, Gerard? Well, I, I'm a big believer in you've got to first understand like what motivates them and why they're here. Hmm. That's a huge question when working with any player, any individual, any staff member, everything is what motivates them and why they're here. Because the minute you can answer that question, you can start to tailor how you support that person um, and, and what support you put around them to make them be successful. So to give them the best platform to be successful. My philosophy is, is built around. So if we talk about a coaching philosophy, mm. I, I use this 4C approach, which is that, in everything we do, there's got to be choices, so decisions to make, problems to solve. Um, and within that, there's got to be challenges. So how can we give challenges, whether that be individually or collectively, to the group? So giving more autonomy to the people that you're working with, because that's what we want. If we want these creative thinkers, self-learners, adaptable people, yeah. well, we've got to give them problems to solve, and we've, we've got to create challenges that will stretch them. Um, and then within that, you know, the other C's are around clarity. Well, that's probably the last C. It's is clarity in the, the role and, and in them. Like, what's the relevance to me and why? And then finally, competition. You know, and certainly in football, competition plays a huge part. You know, like the object of the game, even in its simplest form, is score more goals than the opposition to win. Mm. That's, that, that's the object of the game. You know, concede less goals than what the opposition scores against you. So, so you've got to score more goals than the opposition. You've got to find ways to overcome adversity. So competition of scoring goals, winning, um, you know, individual challenges, methods, point systems, rewards, all this stuff. How can you make it competitive? So, so you're, steer, you're steering them rather than drag. You're asking them questions to sort of them to prompt their own pathway. Is that kind of the, the, yeah. the overall theory? Yeah. Giving them challenges, you're guiding them. You, you're guiding them. And, and that's a big part, even with the work that I'm doing at PhD level. So I'm hmm. studying a PhD in uh, how footballers and how coaches can become more effective and efficient in their communication. But when they're using, because uh, feedback and, and communication is a dominant coaching behavior, you know, no surprise there, coaches <laughs> like to talk. So, um, <laughs> but how good are we at it? You know, how good are we at asking questions? How good are we at giving information that guides the player versus imposing our perception upon that individual, hmm. imposing our perception, our answer, uh, to them how can we tap more into what they've seen you know and, and because at the end of the day the game belongs to the players and give them more autonomy and I use that in everything every walk of life in terms of you know kids let them explore to staff members giving them autonomy to, to the players um, so again feedback the way in which we structure our sentences how you can guide them to to look for information to come up with their own solutions so that's the key
It's interesting in perceptions of, of famous coaches, isn't it? Sir Alex Ferguson was always associated with the old hairdryer at half time. But then when you read books like Peter Schmeichel, you actually realise there's a lot more nuanced approach to that. Is there is there time in in moments for a, a stern word and a, and a bit of aggression? What, what do you what, what's your take on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, people are different now. Let's not forget that. Like society is different. The world mm. is different. People are, are made up differently. You know, so, you know, things that will have, gone on years ago it's, it's very different today people are a lot more um i, I don't want to use generalizations because it's not fair but or always accurate but you know people are probably more sensitive in some respects um or there's there's more of an empowerment like a, a voice like i've got a yeah. voice this is important so people are going to answer back more people are going to challenge more you know certainly the generation that's coming through going back to that last piece around clarity they want to know, well, what's the relevance for me here? Why am I doing that? Or I don't agree. I want to do this. Or, well, my goals are this. And mm. that's why it's important to understand what their motivation is. You know, what's their aspirational goals? Because if you're giving them feedback and criticism, you know, some of those like things that we have in our mind of like a Ferguson hairdryer, whatever, how much of that will go on today? And the response from the players, you know, some will probably sink. Others might thrive off it. It's understanding mm. who needs what. And when, you know, he was probably clever in that he would single out certain individuals because it'd almost be like, if I've said this to Giggsy and this to Scolzy, then you're not safe. Yeah. Because, wow, you know, I thought he was doing all right, but actually, if he's <laughs> done that for him, he's going to come for me. But for other people, that will totally destroy their world. Mm. Um, and I think we've got to be very careful. Every There was something I took years ago uh, from Alex Inglethorpe, actually, who's at Liverpool. And Jürgen's very similar in that, you know, these little phrases that they use, which give you an insight into leadership today and what that looks like. Mm. And one thing Alex said was, is what I'm about to say going to help or hinder? And I think even if we think about that, you know, for a second before we open our mouth, is it going to help or hinder? It'll allow us just to pause for a minute and go, well, actually, it's probably going to hinder. Yeah. So do I need to say it um, or not? Like, you know, sometimes it might be actually, no, they might need to hear some harsh truths and sometimes the little jab is okay because it can be awake. It depends and you've got to get it skillfully right. And I think there's so much of this ego thing now, you know, if you listen to Jürgen, he says, don't impress me, impress yourself. Mm. So in order to... Self-development, Don't yeah. impress me. Yeah, focus on you, focus on you, be the best version of you. So, mm. and... Again, that's a huge one is like, how can you hold yourself accountable, lead by your own standards? Um, yeah, because that will drive the culture and affect it or manage behavior itself. Um, mm. And then you shouldn't have to have too many moments where you're having to, you know, growl and bark and slap, <laughs> you know, yeah. throw a tantrum and all that stuff. Because yeah, yeah. Probably and that helps that... more things wrong. If you do that, hopefully it has more of an effect. Yeah. Because if you create this culture and then it's, whoa, you know, Ed doesn't normally react like that, or Joe no. doesn't, that could maybe have a bigger impact potentially. Yeah, parallels with all types of relationships when you're talking there. You've got your two young boys that you're looking after today and you know that <laughs> you can't use aggression all the time, but sometimes, you know, my daughter, if I, if I get stern with her like once every 18 months or whatever it is, then she will kind of maybe listen a bit more than than otherwise. And that's a good that's a good advi life advice. A lot of those things you're saying there are that, one thing you picked up you said earlier and I just found it interesting in, in kind of coaching creativity and problem solving what do you make of Pep Guardiola and the, the, the sort of the almost obsessive some would say detailing of, of grids and squares and passing routines and, and where someone like Jack Grealish fits into that plot who's sort of dubbed more of a maverick player do you, do you see a tension there sometimes with, with that type of coaching approach and individual flair? Very interesting because I think you know, often you can look at coaches like Guardiola and other these, a lot of these guys, and you think like, wow. But then equally, some of the stuff they do, it's probably contrary to what we're taught on courses. I can say that as a as a mm. coach educator as well as a as a coach, um, and it's very interesting. I would say that you know all these grids and these are all visual markers. I think anything that you can do as a teacher, as a, which effectively he's guiding, he's trying to help shape the game belongs to them and a Grealish of the world. You're right. Maverick, all the players, they have to make their own decisions. Mm. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to create through uses of tasks or equipment, whatever it may be, 
certain little visual triggers or reference points or certain challenges, constraints that will represent some of the scenarios that they're going to face in a game. Mm. So I think that's okay. That's fantastic. You know, as long as you understand what's the relevance and why, like the rationale behind why you do what you do, um, that's great. And I think for people like agree this and what have you, you know, all these little challenges, it's all designed to, to really encourage their creativity. Um, you know, creativity is all about finding a rule and breaking it. You know, so it's about thinking differently and, and coming up with new ways of doing something. Mm. So if you're creating parameters that restrict them in some respects um, and reward them in others, it's good because then you're asking players questions and then they've got to solve it with an answer. So, that, so if it's a tight area or it's a grid or if it's something that represents, again, Atletico Madrid defending in a, a really compact block, you know, a low block and very difficult to break down and the metres are very much, how do you eliminate, you know, how do you create space on those circumstances? Mm. It'll allow players like Grealish to unlock those defences and come up with something different than no one's seen before. And I think that's one of his many skills Guardiola is he's always trying to find ways to to innovate um and find different ways to create an attacking team Jürgen mm. very similar I mean if you look at Jürgen in terms of recruitment as well as development of a style incredible yeah you know and the way Liverpool play but equally you know you go back years ago when when they had loads of criticisms and they had many injuries and things like that and then you think about the style that he was wanting and the players that he's brought in to execute the mission, I think he's done an incredible job. And that's like a real sign of a good coach. Yeah, the budget, the spending is, is phenomenal. And I think it, it's interesting while you're talking, thinking about Grealish and, and, and maybe people saying he's standing out in contrast to City's possession-based game, shifting the ball quickly. He was someone that hung on to the ball. But actually what he has now is the surprise factor if he shifts it more regularly than he used to at Aston Villa but then occasionally like you're saying in a key moments for Champions League game maybe he puts the dribbling boots on and it goes for it that's more of a surprise factor I remember a, a PE teacher at school actually being absolutely overjoyed that we had a scrum half in a rugby game against another school <laughs> who kept passing kept passing and then he uh, ended up just running off the back of the scrum at one point picked it up and scored a try and the coach was like well yeah that's brilliant because he's done it all the time they think he's going to pass now he's going to run so that that surprise right. factor is uh, is big what about the, the us because I, I did a little bit of football coaching this summers for a company called great britain buckeye soccer school in ohio when i was at <laughs> university and i'm always intrigued because mls was really growing then they were saying that, that football was the biggest participation sport soccer of course i should i should say in the context of the states was the biggest participation sport up to the age of 19 is it is it growing now all around as amateur and professional huge yeah and i, I just want to there was something you said there that i, I just want to finish off sure. on, on, on grealish in that um, I mean, him and Ireland and a few of the players, they could end up spiking a really interesting relationship. And I think, yeah. Um, and obviously, I was watching the game against Liverpool. I know the outcome went, went Liverpool's way, but it's interesting. I think with your attack, you know, for anyone listening, there's always got to be these like five S's. Mm. So, the first one is are you relying on strength? If it's not strength, you know, are you relying on speed? If it's not speed of movement, a speed of thought. What else is it? You know, how else can you score a goal? Um, is it selection? And that's something that he's quite clever at, you know, in terms of finding those clever passes or whatever. If it's not selection because those have been eliminated, you know, is it surprise? Mm. How and we, You mentioned that. There. Yeah, like, yeah. How can you play unorthodox, like disguise and deception? That's a huge premium value. And then the final one would be, um, again, uh, skill you know, your individualism and, and things. So, but yeah, going to uh, America, huge, it's growing. You know, we're really fortunate in Kansas. We're one of the cities that have got the World Cup, you know, so we obviously won the whole cup. So we're, we're awesome. hosting it, uh, which is going to be great. And I think it's huge just in general for Kansas because they've got the NFL draft next year and then the following uh, period, you know, will be the World Cup. So that'll be good. Um, women's football is growing more and more. I think as the World Cup goes over, you know, we saw what happened in America. 99. In 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, was it 94? You had, um, you had, uh, and obviously it was like the launch of, around those yeah. early 90s, you had the launch was, of like the MLS. 
I was at the, oh, yeah, 96 thing was MLS. And I was in the States for 99 when Brandy Chastain scored the winning penalty for USA to win the Women's World Cup. And over there, it was big. And when I was at college, I went to my master's in journalism in Ohio off the back of coaching out there, met some people and, and found out about a good journalism school. And actually, Mia Hamm was a household name. So, you know, I think over there, it was interesting to see what's happening in the UK now because this happened in the States before. It was very much normal to have, you know, in your coaching camps, you'd have an under 18 girls team, whatever it might be. It was, and sometimes almost thought of as a, a girl's sport in some circles by some of the uh, the American football meatheads out <laughs> over there. <laughs> no, I think it's growing huge. I mean, the, the interest is massive now and there's more and more clubs, you know, similar to like, if you look at sporting, sporting has its academy affiliates and has two of its own um, youth soccer clubs at the grassroots level. The infrastructure is amazing. You know, sporting have a, a grassroots club that, like in the Northland, um, they've just built a brand new facility. It's like 30 odd million facility, mm. 10 multi-sport pitches. And so that tells you like, wow, you know, and that's at a grassroots level, you know, that facility would be superior than most category one academies in England. So I think Amazing. the infrastructure, a lot of these grassroots clubs all over the US is, is growing. It's only going to get bigger as the, as the sport becomes more popular. I think people are probably seeing it as more entertaining um, more life skills coming from it, probably less dangerous than perhaps some of the, the, the head injury concerns mm. of like American football and yeah. things like that. And a heading expand in the States, isn't it, for kids? Is that right, heading expand? Yeah, well, yeah. You, you yeah, so I know we're introducing that with the FA now, and in, in America it's been there for a while. It was part of the PDI's, Player Development Initiative by US Soccer. Um, yeah. It was introduced in 2016. So they were ahead of it before, and from U12 and below, you, you you know, you're not allowed to head. And then mm. even as they get older, there's like reduced around sort of like U12, there's reduced times on the practice of heading. Um, so like at a 7v7, let's say U9, U10, if mm. a child heads the ball, it'd be an indirect free kick to the to the opposition. Wow. Um, so they the try and really control it. Not that there's much ball in the air that age anyway, but even yeah. at U9, you know, it's, um, yeah, it would be an indirect free kick. Yeah, the past decade, that research into CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy has been fascinating. And I remember one of the downsides of my job is not being able to play regular Saturday, Sunday football. But actually, I used to head the ball a little bit at university at Loughborough. And actually, I think now, probably because I remember that dazed feeling, you know, and your big booming goal kick and you get it slightly wrong on the top of your head and thinking, actually, it's like it's akin to getting whacked in the head by a boxer, which you know you've got head problems. But actually, in football, you didn't really appreciate that. I want to wrap it up soon because I know you've got a lot going on, but I wanted to talk about one thing you touched on there. It reminded me of Shane Duff, who was a former Bradford City and Cheltenham player. His career was unfortunately ended early, Michael Duff's brother. And he said something yeah. about being released or the, the academy was closing at Cheltenham Town when he was a youngster. And he made a decision to himself in the summer about standing out in training, making an impact to get a contract. And I just wondered whether that's something you, you alluded to that earlier, that in football, I remember going to trials and actually helped me in my career now because I, I hit a little bit, you know, when you're a kid and you go and you stand on, I stand left wing or left back and you sort of think, I don't want to make any mistakes, but you'd give yeah. it and you just sort of, it, subconsciously, you just didn't want to almost draw too much attention to yourself, which is the whole point of a trial. And it's, it's an interesting thing in a team game because you can kind of hide versus an individual sport. Is that something that you've adopted in your life in the coaching career you've had? Because I don't know, I don't think you had a prestigious playing career, did you? But you obviously built a fantastic coaching career and you've you've had to, in a confident, not arrogant way, put yourself forward. Yeah, well, it's a huge challenge, I think. And even though you've seen a lot more coaches now come through, haven't had these illustrious, you know, playing careers that are, are going on in coaching. I started out, and it's interesting, there's, I can probably answer this in many different ways, when I was playing for Halifax Town, I won't say the name of the coach, but I was actually, I was in the youth team at Halifax. And um, back then, the manager was Chris Wilder, believe it or not. Wow. This is when it was at Halifax Town AFC before they um, obviously went into administration mm. and then became uh, FC Halifax Town and rebranded. Um, they'd actually, the year before I signed, they'd got to the, the playoff final and um, they lost in the final. So, unfortunately, to, to get promoted. It's a huge club. They're definitely going to be back in the Football League for sure in the future. Um, and I was in that youth team and I always remember being so nervous to make mistakes and the coaching style back then, and a lot of it was probably to do with the way we coaches were taught how to coach. Mm. It was very much stop, stand still. You've made a mistake. Let's amplify it to everybody. Put a spotlight on you. You've made this mistake. We're showing it to everybody. This is what you shouldn't have done. Here's the answer. Here's the solution. Oh, now wow. we create that solution. 
and it puts you under pressure. Could it be like freeze? And then it, <laughs> you go through and, and then you think, oh God, not again. And then, oh, it'd be the punishment of if you're losing games, you're running, or if you're making mistakes, you're running. So then people wouldn't try things. And mm. that's probably shaped me hugely because I lacked a lot of confidence uh, to try things. I went on trial at different clubs. I went on trial at Stockport, um, Mansfield, Doncaster for, for periods of time, um, never signed professionally. And, you know, I'm not saying I was a, a good player anyway, because if I was, I'd have had a career, I'm sure. You never um, I clearly wasn't, but I think being in an environment what would have encouraged me to try things and make mistakes and have the freedom would have been a lot more suitable and I probably would have done better. And that sort of shaped my coaching, you know, and even like I'm big on putting myself out of my comfort zone, like going to Morocco, you know, going to Morocco um, in an environment where, you know, you, you put Africa, you put Arab culture and, you, and then you put mm. football on the mental pick. That's a, there's a lot going on there, <laughs> you know, and um, I, again, adapting to having to speak in another language, you know, and, and, talking in French and learning some Arabic, Moroccan Arabic, um, you know, teaching on courses, working in a culture where, you know, just because it works in the UK or in Wales or in America doesn't mean it's going to work over there. No. So you have to go their speed um, and find ways for them to bring them with you as well as you bring them with you. And it's very different. You know, a lot of it is inshallah, you know, like, oh, Ed, we'll have a meeting tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Yeah, inshallah. No, no, no. We're having a meeting at 10 o'clock. Yeah, inshallah. <laughs> You know, right. yeah, relaxed, <laughs> like, yeah. Manana, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, but yeah. I like it, like, you know, tranquil, you know, tranquil, beswear, beswear, sway, sway, you know, that's what they say. It's, oh, right. And actually, you know, it's it's a, probably a good approach to life, you know, like go with the flow, relax, whatever. And, I mean, I, I love going in these sort of environments, like going in countries where... Got rudely interrupted by a Zoom, a Zoom uh, glitch there, Gerard. But you're just talking about the the kind of, I guess, embrace cultural differences and, and just sort of roll with it and put yourself out there. Yeah, just, again, dealing with different challenges like Morocco, huge because gives you an opportunity to learn different cultures, you know, understand, again, motivations, how people operate. Um, you've got to go at a different speed, you know, so they're, they're wired very differently. Great experience, unbelievable environment, you know, and uh, every day was, you just did not know what was going to happen. It'd be like working in, uh, a lot of people describe it when I talk to them, I've worked in like Qatar and, you know, places like this where you just do not know what's going to happen. You're like putting your head in a tumble. It's hot, hot, the heat, the heat changes it as well, doesn't it? You have to be more relaxed in the well, heat, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've got to, there's so many factors that go in, but, you know, incredible to work in, in America where, you know, it's very commercial. You're dealing with, um, you know, board of directors. You, you're dealing with, like, I, I report directly to uh, the vice president of the club, uh, use business, and then obviously, you know, you've got the, the CEO, Jake, um, and obviously the, the first team manager who's the, the head coach, Pete Vermees, is also the sporting director. He'll oversee everything and, you know, charge the club in, in that respect, you know, from the, from the sporting side of it and the technical so you, you're dealing with that type of stuff. You're dealing with, you know, whether it, or even in football in England, mm. another sort of hustle and bustle, and you're constantly in that rat race. And so it's different. You've got to be able to adapt and um, adapt to different challenges. So I love it. How formative was having a French mother for you then in terms of that cultural perspective and just thinking that there are, there are different ways to skin a cat, to use an old phrase? Yeah, I wish... Um, I'd have probably had more conversations with her because my mum died really young. So, oh, sorry um, to hear that. yeah, no worries. So, um, it, but incredible. I mean, she, she probably shapes a lot of how I am anyway, because I'm very much like early hours. I'm working three, four o'clock in the morning, constantly wow. doing stuff. I mean, now, you know, I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old. <laughs> um, I'm still in a PhD. And I'm, Amazing. obviously I'm working in football and I'm doing a million and one other things, you know, so there's a lot there, you know, and, and I, I took that probably for her, like she was incredibly hard working, very um, methodical and just hundred miles an hour. Um, so I probably took that. I just think it's important. Like if you look at a lot of coaches, you know, the, or even business leaders, they're so wedded to what they know. 
Um, but how do you how do you know what you don't know? You know, so how can mm. you find out ways, check your blind spots, um, go to different countries, different cultures, expand your horizons? Because you know, football, you know, isn't the England isn't the the all seeing, all knowing of everything in, in in world football. You know, go out and see what it looks like outside of your world. You know, and outside of your county or your region. And that's what I'm I'm big on. You know, and then now it's bringing those expertise back. You know, to improve your game, but I think there's so much you can learn from, you know, visiting different countries. And I've gone and done study visits all over the world. I've I've seen football in different countries, at different national DNAs. So it's it's given me more adaptability. But equally, I can probably relate to uh, different staff members and different players because we'll have shared similar experiences. And equally, you know, that cultural piece. You know, football is becoming more. Um, multinational, more diverse than ever before. And, it, and the language piece alone, you know, when I talked to Mick Beale, who's obviously head coach now at QPR, mm. you know, I remember years ago, um, you know, after he'd invited us down when he was Liverpool under 21s at the time, uh, coach there, um, he'd gone out with uh, Ruggiero Siri, gone to, to Sao Paulo um, as, a, as the assistant there. And I remember bumping into him at IMG Academy in Florida, in America, this is 2017, 2016, 2017. And um, they were over for the Florida Cup. And um, I've known, obviously, Mick before. And uh, we were chatting and everything. He was learning Spanish and he was, uh, sorry, Portuguese. And um, he was already speaking fairly okay Portuguese. Spent hours and hours. He was learning key words within his coaching um, that he was using then within his session plan. And uh, sure, no problem. Just <laughs> and, uh, the real work Good starts lad. now. Good lad, I know. That's, yeah. uh, I just think that's incredible, you know. And I just think like more coaches need to go out, learn other languages, work in Portugal, work in Spain, work in France. Um, you know, give you more adaptability for sure. And what, what's next for you, Girard? Because you've got a f- fantastic coaching career. You got your hands full with a, a two-year-old and a, a four-year-old boy as well. I, I just wonder as you uh, as you go forward. And you mentioned working three or four in the morning. That's I mean that's that's impressive. But I suppose sometimes it's we talk about working hard and, and working clever. How is that a challenge? What's your advice on that for people who maybe sometimes get overtrained, overworked? How do you how do you keep fresh and enthused by it all? Yeah, I think you've got to, I mean, there's definitely that phrase in there, work hard, work smart. And how can you try and work more smarter than harder? You know, for sure. I mean, I'm big on efficiency. I mean, the reason why I'm up late is because I'm trying to find ways where I can get more done, maximize the hours. Plus there's time differences. Yeah. So like at the minute, like where we are, you know, six hours behind uh, Kansas where sporting is. So there's that element as well. Like even, you know, I'll be doing stuff at midnight because it's evening their time. Mm. Um and it's good because equally I can get a lot during the day, like when I'm back here, as they're waking up, like now it's, you know, 20 past six in the morning over there. Mm. Um, so I think there's that, that's an element of it. And plus, like, I, I like to try and get work done early um, because probably similar to yourself, like that way, when you are with the kids, you're with the kids. Yes, you know, present, you're doing yeah. the work and they're sleeping. And, and that's the sort of like the balance you, you're playing. It's hard, but you try and make up the hours where you can because otherwise you're eating into their time or... Mm reading into overtime. Um, I mean, what's that thing that um, Schwarzenegger said? What was it? It was quite cool. Like, I'll be uh, back. <laughs> no, no, that one. Yeah, I'll be back, yeah. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> That's me with the kids. I'll be back in a second. I'm busy. Um, yeah. no, it was, uh, he said about like uh, sleep quicker. So yeah. It's not about for, sleep for long. Sleep, sleep, for, uh, sleep quicker. And I think, yeah, <laughs> like I'll, I'll get my sleep when I can. I'll sleep quickly and then I'm up and I'm ready. I'm like a Duracell battery. I've got, I'm gone. You know, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, well, Fer- we said that Ferguson, Ferguson didn't need a lot of sleep, did he? Some of these these great leaders have not needed a lot of sleep. It's, it's sometimes a characteristic, an outlier in that sense. Well, yeah, I mean, even if you look at him setting the standards, you know, he's up at the training ground like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. People mm. are strolling in, he's already there before him. If you look at Eddie Jones, you know, Eddie metaphorically, um, like every every day, He'll be in the gym like was it four a.m. four thirty a.m. in the morning. Wow. So like for him, it's he probably like I was talking to one of my mates, Rusty Rusty Earnshaw. Um, used to work with him at RFU, mm. and um, he was telling me how you know for Eddie, it's, he's big on that hard work, and for him, it's 
he probably finds it hard. Like if, if people are sleeping in in the morning, which mm. is what people do, you know, like you well, the players like, need to, the players are told to, aren't they? As well, the rugby players need to get yeah. X amount of sleep. Yeah. Get the extra sleep. But for him, like he's up, he's in the gym, he's ready, he's rocking every day, you know. So, yeah, I think it's just, but you've got to be the best version of you, aren't you, as well? Like be authentic mm. too, know your own body, know your own yeah. limitations. You know, don't try and copy everything that other people do. Just do what works for you. And I think that's a huge part. Like when, when I'm coaching and even myself, I really just want to know like what worked for me and what worked for me might not work for everyone else. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, people always say like, God, you like, you won't be able to keep it going, you know, when you're in your thirties. Well, I'm, I'm 33 now and I'm, 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 I'm all right. I'm still going to be fair. I've got <laughs> doing two well. months, so yeah, doing all right. So I, I just think, yeah, just what worked for you. If you can make it work, like keep going. And there might be a point where I'm like getting tired now, like a bit of burnout. <laughs> sure. Have but a holiday. Have yeah. a holiday, have a vacation. But I love it. Like my, I'm fortunate, similar to yourself. Come on, like we're doing what we love. We're not. Yeah. Not there's anything wrong at stacking shells at Tesco, but as an example, I'm not stacking shells at Tesco, or whatever. No, and these jobs um, didn't. These jobs didn't exist a hundred years ago. So it's. it's they didn't. Amazing, really. well, yeah. There's more jobs now coming more and more in, in in sport than ever before. That's incredible, and we get to. We're fortunate. We get paid to do what we love. Yeah. Um, so really, it's like a hobby for me. I'm literally doing a hobby, so I can't complain, and I definitely can't moan, and I can't get tired because, you know, come on, like we're not <laughs> saving lives here. Yeah, yeah. It's and now you got you got two young kids as well. Your definition of working hard it takes it to another level because you suddenly realise how you know what having no downtime actually is like when you become a, oh, a parent. It's a different thing. God. How much time and energy did you have before? You like, well, I wasn't even using it. <laughs> Well, I wish I'd have made up more. I, th- I thought I was I was good before, but now, now I look back thinking I definitely didn't use my time well because, yeah, like you, you pretty much wave sleep goodbye anyway, don't you? Yeah. So. Well, that's you, you have to be philosophical. That's why it's always depressing to hear all these statistics about the importance of sleep when you've got a young baby in the house. You're like, great. You just have to kind of try and ignore that material while you're while you're in that in that stage. But you're doing you're doing a brilliant job. I really appreciate your time, especially as you've got the two young lads with you today how can we follow you and i know that on linkedin you do post some some thought pieces on coaching and i think it's worth people checking it out because not only are you working hard but you're you're definitely trying to work to to pass the details and the, the sort of different approaches to coaching which i think apply not only to football but to life i think self-development's big now and i think a lot of those things that you talk about we can all apply to to getting better in whatever we're doing yeah there's loads of transferables right so yeah for sure i mean linkedin you know uh Gerard Jones, G-E-R-A-R-D, Jones, um, 24. And then, like, Twitter. I, I share a lot on Twitter. People can follow us on Twitter, which is Gerard Jones, G-E-R-A-R-D, underscore Jones. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, feel free to to reach out. And, you know, I think we're all in the same game. We're all in the same world. We're all trying to bounce off each other and yeah. learn from each other. And um, I'm just excited to keep riding this wave, you know. So, mm. yeah. And learning from others—that's the interesting—is having that humility because actually, like you said, I, le- I actually learn quite a lot from my seven-year-old daughter, which is, you know, a revelation because they have, sometimes have a clarity and perspective on life which you've forgotten in the in the haze of of getting older and doing different things. So that's brilliant. It's funny actually—it's the, the impact because I came back from the states and people thought I was from New Zealand. The impact, and I could just notice the impact of, of the Americanizer on your uh, your Twitter. It's Twitter like that it's, a, it's, it's a, you've been saying that a lot over there so it's interesting how those things affect you but I think that's natural when you're out there because you have to like you say I think you have to adapt and you have to say a few words differently in the states to be understood and it's uh, I remember a guy wouldn't let me on tv over there if I was saying Tuesday I had to say Tuesday so it was like one of those things you had to adapt <laughs> you're all like bathroom and things like that oh yeah don't, I remember don't I ask for a toilet but people are yeah you ask for a toilet and people look you know disgusted with you so <laughs> exactly well i got told off for saying like diary i'll put oh, really? a diary and i was like what's a diary what a diary and i was like oh calendar i get told mm. playing calendar all um, oh, right it's got to go in my schedule oh and yeah so uh schedule not schedule <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, told, yeah. We're, told at, we're told at sky to say schedule that's the british way but yeah it's interesting a lot of people over here say schedule now so it's, it's funny the nuances i love it but even when you said there about like just life and you know kids i mean i got something the other day off the four-year-old which was one liner mm. he said dad can you say it in one line and i was like one line i, was, I just say one word be mm. clearer this is for wow. a four-year-old wow brilliant. and they have such a huge 
they don't have any filter, do they? Like, they just say no. things. They'll go. They're also they're zoned in, aren't they? They're not thinking about tomorrow, Wednesday. You know what happened last year. That's the brilliant thing about them that there are. They're just taking things in and observing things more keenly than us sometimes. Absolutely, they just say it as it is, don't they? They say if something's good, it's bad. Mm. Ugly. They just come out with some random stuff. Yeah. They just say it as they see the world, don't they? You know, they're not yeah. biased or anything. So I love it. So yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and they kind of set back one minute, bawling their eyes out, and ecstatically happy five minutes later, forgotten about it. And I think <laughs> whereas we can we can we can live with those sort of sad moments for for months and, and let it impact us just thinking about it. So they are brilliant, Gerard. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, and good luck in the rest of the time in the UK with the kids, and then back at Sporting Kansas, keep an eye on on their exploits in in MLS and beyond. No, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It's great to to chat to you. Cheers. Fascinating conversation with Gerard Jones or Gerard Jones, I suppose a lot of people in this country, in the States where he's working at Sporting Kansas City will know him as. I think they're having a little bit of a difficult time in the Western Conference in Major League Soccer. So hopefully have an impact when he goes back. And I'm sure he is from afar at the moment as well. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please rate it on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to it on. I know it's on a raft of them, including Spotify as well. And also just tell a friend if you enjoy it. Any constructive criticism well received in the notes, in the in the comments. I always try and take them on board as much as I can, working to enhance and develop this alongside my job as a sports broadcaster for Sky Sports in the UK. Thank you for being here, nonetheless. And thank you to the sponsors, Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Thank you also to Cytoplan, supplement company for their ongoing association with the podcast if you're looking to optimize your immunity want to try some of their supplements from cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk remember the discount code associated with this podcast is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. Thank you to Anthony Asprey for the offer as a free mentoring session through the podcast. I know 82% of the podcast listeners are male. So if there's any help there that Anthony can give you, he does accept female clients as well, but obviously with the whole man Academy, specializing in the, in the problems that gents may face professionally and personally, five sessions to give away. Check out the link on the show notes for that. And if you're looking to maybe document family history, life stories, if you're interested in that concept, check out something that my wife Carla and I are working at called Attic Box Audio, A-T-T-I-C, atticboxaudio.co.uk, or go there through drapermedia.co.uk. And if you want to follow me online, it is eddraper81 on Twitter, ed underscore draper underscore media on Instagram, I believe. This gets complicated, doesn't it? Thank you for listening to the podcast and have a fantastic week. And I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.